Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. And this is the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre, and tries to find some answers. But this week, I, I can't promise we're bringing you any answers, uh, listener. Well, let's let's do a little intro here. Um, this is our 50th episode. It is, yeah. It's almost a year in, and we figured we'd uh, uh, do our celebrating uh, here and now. 50's a nice round number. Um, and here's to breaking off another 50, getting to that, that first hundo. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 52 is technically our year because we have put one out every single week, including when we got married and we're on our honeymoon, mini moon, I guess. Yep, although the Paracon episode wasn't numbered, so that pushes us up. This is actually the 51st week of the podcast. Oh, shoot. Okay, well, there it is. So next week. Um, yeah, uh, just super, super happy that we've made it here. Um, we're seeing a lot more people listening to the show and interacting and things like that. And that just makes us feel awesome uh, yeah, because we make the show for you. Thank you all. Uh, those of you who, yeah, we've been picking up uh, pretty steadily over the last month or two, and uh, it feels good. It, it's nice to have people uh, listening, and, and especially when people say nice things. It's great. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, what, we're here, what we're here to talk about is Coast to Coast AM. Oh, well, I know what it is, but Sean, some of our intrepid listeners may not know. So what is Coast to Coast AM? Well, that's why we're doing this show, right? And also because we thought it would be kind of a fun thing to do. At Instead the nice of a clip show of ours. <laughs> yeah, we're, yes, exactly. So we're, we're marking our 50th episode with a clip show of some of the best of Art Bell and George Norrie's calls. Um, on Coast to Coast AM. On Coast to Coast AM. Uh, for those of you who are... I don't know whether to say blissfully unaware or cursed with the uh, ignorance. Cursed with ignorance. I think it's one of the greatest. Uh, we both love Coast to Coast AM. We're paid subscribers to the Insider uh, membership so we can get dig into the archives. And, uh, you know, so we don't have to tune in like an appointment every day from 1 to 5 a.m. Because that is when <sighs> Coast to Coast airs, uh, at least if you're on the East Coast. Yeah. Did it start in like the early 90s or so? Late 80s? Uh, Art Bell had been doing a radio show already, and then he moved it to his house and changed the name to Coast to Coast AM in 1988. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Art Bell is basically the Casey Kasem of uh, weird radio, overnight trucker radio. Yeah, of like, it, beyond wing nuts. So, so there's like the right wing talk radio kind of got, mm -hmm. its, got itself going in the 80s, right? Or really got up to speed. Um, and, and some sports as well. And I think Art Bell was kind of in that world when he was a local radio guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then kind of got spun off into crazier and crazier <laughs> levels of, you know, people calling in. And even today, by the way, George Norrie gets a lot of political calls. Right. Um, and you know which, uh, what, of what bent those calls are. Mm. Um, but so Art got weirder and weirder calls and finally started, uh, uh, I don't know. Like when you listen, when you host a radio show from one to five in the morning, mostly for truckers, people can call and talk about whatever they want. But a yeah. lot of times what they want to talk about is weird and hilarious. Yeah. I mean, those are the night owls. Those are the people up at 4 a.m. and energized enough to call into a radio show. Um, yeah, th I think it really gained a lot of popularity when like 
The X-Files was on TV in the early 90s. I mean, throughout the 90s, but certainly, especially in the early 90s. And people were kind of getting exposed to the craziness of UFOs and MK Ultra and the Men in Black and, and more ideas of the paranormal and supernatural and things like that. Um, so it really came out at the right time and it's been going on for years and years and years and years. Yeah, and what makes it what it is, or what made it what it was, is that Art Bell is just game for anything. Brings somebody on, he says, they're an expert, this is an expert in Bigfoot. Right. And um, he never questions anything they say. It's all like, (laughs) that is fascinating. Art Bell, yes. Um, And that makes He'll he'll give credence to a lot. He'll let people speak their truths, I guess. Yes. There's not a lot of judgment from Art Bell, which is, I'm sure, something that was very positive for a lot of these people talking about big feet and uh, ghosts and things like that. You know, you get judged if you believe in those things. But in, in this show, you can kind of just air all your thoughts. And sometimes people would call in and respond. And, you know, you had a sympathetic ear. Exactly right. And uh, so that's why we're going to get into some of um, my favorite Coast to Coast clips. I have been I've gone through a mind-melting amount of Coast to Coast in the last week to try to put uh, put a few things together for us to listen to. Um, but the first thing we're going to listen to uh, was one that right off the bat, Carrie, you were like, oh, well, you have to play that call from Got 1997 to. with Area 51. It's probably the most famous moment on Coast to Coast. Um, so this might... It, it, it might not be as funny haha as the rest of the uh, things we're going to mm. listen to, but... Um, I don't know. It's it's pretty funny. So uh, <laughs> let, let's uh, let, let's have a listen. This is a call that Art Bell received in uh, 1997. Now, what Art would sometimes do, and I think George Norrie still does this, um, but no one did it like Art. No. You, you have he would have a special line. So it's like open lines. Everyone can call, talk about whatever you want. But if you call this phone number, it's only for this topic. And in this yes. case, that topic was, it was an open line for callers who worked or had worked at Area 51. Mm-hmm. And he's had lines like this for like, if you've been possessed. Yes. If, if you've you made a deal with the devil. Yeah. So. Uh, and we, I mean, yeah. maybe we'll circle back and do those shows at, at a different point because it's, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, and he gets very stern if people call in because, of course, tons of people call in. For the wrong reason on the on the special line. Sure. So uh, you can hear Art a little stern at the beginning here, but uh, this call pretty quickly takes a turn. Mm. Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I I I I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um. Well, look. Let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Area <laughs> uh, Fifty One. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? I a former employee. Former employee. Um, I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're gonna. Um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Oh. Good thinking, Art. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we get it. You're freaking out. Let's go. Okay. Um. Um. Okay. What well, What we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that in 
earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they, they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. He could have thought this out a little better before he made the call. Sean, he is frantic. They've he's infiltrated a lot of... They're uh, triangulating uh, on him uh, right now. Uh, they've infiltrated the triangulations. And... <laughs> uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military... I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now are... But they're not doing. They're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out, so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Bit of a Thanos plan there from the uh, from the U.S. government and the Leave aliens. Britney alone. Oh, maybe it's that guy. Do you think it's that guy? <laughs> I think this is a little before his time. Uh, what do you think so far? Does this guy seem legit? Listen, he sounds upset. Uh, he certainly sounds... I, I stipulate that he sounds upset. But I would say, you know, just keep in mind that this population control conspiracy is one that's trotted out every so often when anything, period, happens. Especially anything the government does Well, people are saying that, you know, COVID was a government conspiracy. They let it out so they could control the population. I mean, it's this, you know, whatever it is, they'll they'll change it. Uh, obesity is is population control. Getting people addicted to corn syrup is population control. Crack AIDS. Crack AIDS. Yep, crack AIDS. Oh, crack comma AIDS. Mm-hmm. Not that. opioids. Not that crack AIDS. Discharge. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I started getting. Nope. like so being on a zoom call at work it it is and and so i'm gonna leave this playing in the background but this is just dead air now because that call suddenly got interrupted oh. the question caroline being by what and that's why this the is, triangulation sean that's why this is so famous you're gonna hear the excellent oh there it is there's the coast to coast theme coming back in stolen from giorgio Moroder. <laughs> um and so this is just a holding pattern while the station tries to get back online. In fact, Art is still talking through all this. To the guy? To, I think he loses the caller as well, uh, but he's already got another caller on the line, and we'll hear that in a second when the feed cuts back in. In some way, something knocked us off the air, and we're on a backup system now. It's the uh, government, or...? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it has to be something, though. Did you hear? Now you tell me because you were listening. That was awful strange. There was a really weird guy on the air when it went off. Yeah, real weird out. Like uh, going sort of sort of sounding paranoid, schizophrenic, like crying and everything. Schizophrenic was a little. That's harsh, Art. Listen, it's the late '90s. They're not super woke about these things. Yeah, but the people he has on this show. Well, the thing about Art Bell versus George Norrie is Art Bell was much sassier. I don't know. Like he would, he would be more like that. I don't that know. A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. No, 
yeah. and how far into the conversation was it when when it went off? And just a couple, about 15, 20 seconds, I'd say. Oh, you, you, you guys missed, you really missed the call then, and I've got a feeling somebody didn't want you to hear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was really... Art is just tickled by that idea. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And I love the implication that, like, there was some some real shit there when you guys weren't listening. Of course. He's you a professional. A hell of a call. He's the best. He's he's the greatest showman. He's a, a P.T. Barnum. Mm. It's strange. All of a sudden, I'm hearing Mark Furman. When I, when That's I right. Well, the network, the network, of course, went immediately to a backup tape while we tried to figure out what blew up here. Uh-huh. So that's what you heard happen. Uh-huh. And then we're now on a backup link system. Uh-huh. Uh, to be on the air at all right now. So, well, I'm telling you. Am I on the air right now? You're on the air right now. We yeah, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, Where are you, by the way? I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, I called the other night. And uh, I wanted to ask two things. Real quick. Well, I wanted to say one thing, and I wanted to ask another. Real quick. I wanted to ask if you could play that um, remote viewing uh, one when you were in, while you go to Egypt. Yes. And also, I wanted to know uh, uh, all this uh, stuff about, like... Just spit it out. Bro. Like, uh, Area 51, if it's, like, the government's trying to put it out there like that, so, like, some other place isn't being watched as much. In other words, it's a... Don't you love this pan flute music uh, that's coming in in the background? The, like, what is this? The pan flute is going buck wild. Big decoy, I see what's that here, and apparently we'll be back after the news, I think. We've lost all transmit capability on this end here in Nevada. The transmitter went belly up suddenly for some unknown reason. I've never seen it do this in all the years, all the years that we've been on the air. I have never seen the transmitter in this way just simply fail, a massively fail, like a massive heart attack or some kind. And so we have gone to a backup system to get si signal to you right now, and I presume it is getting to you right now. It is getting to us, Art. <laughs> So that is the famous uh, Area 51 call. And I mean, if you open up the lines to former Area 51 employees, that's about the best call you could get, right? That's what oh, you're hoping for? That's an epic call. And then it melts down the radio station itself. Perfect. The greatest. Now, I will say, Art, Art is, makes a big deal of like, I've never seen anything happen like this. <laughs> As I've been combing through clips over the last few days, I've, I've heard that feed cut out a few times. Okay, but was it before or was it after this call? Long after. Well... Over a decade after. Things so, are different now, You're Sean. right. Technology's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Get off my lawn. <laughs> um, okay. So moving on. Art Bell, uh, and you can hear the, just the sparkle in his eye there, uh, as you always can. He hosted the show um, regularly until 2000 and then kind of waffled on whether he was going to retire until 2003. Mm -hmm. And then he retired, and then he came back again to do weekends. And Listen, then... he's he's MJ. He's Michael Jordan. He's the best. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't keep this guy down. Uh, he finally retired uh, fully in 2007, although he died in 2017. Yeah, fairly recently. Uh, but he would still, uh, until just a few years before his death, he would still come back and host the occasional show uh, while living in far-flung locales around the world. And he would also have a special Halloween episode called ghost to ghost am which i very much appreciated more on that later Ooh. Uh, the host since uh, has been a rotating cast of characters but most notably george nori 
Um, he's sort of the face of Coast to Coast AM at this point. And um, it's probably worth noting that when Art came back in, like, the after 2000, but before 2003, it seems like Art came back because he didn't like George, didn't like the way he was hosting the <laughs> it's show. It's a different vibe. Um, you know, Art, as you heard, is a little more brusque, a little sassier. And George Norrie is just psyched to be there. Um, he's literally one of the popular people to have on um, Ancient Aliens. He's like a talking head on that. So I think he might buy into this stuff more than Art Bell did. Not saying that Art Bell didn't believe, but yep. George Norrie's a believer for sure. And in in the way that he's like, he's actively scared of all these things. <laughs> he's I nervous. Mean, wouldn't you be? He's nervous about it, you know? <laughs> um so let's hear a little bit of George Norrie, and this is actually going to tie into one of our old episodes, Caroline. Yay. If our listeners are familiar with Robert the Doll from the Haunted Dolls episode, and uh, we re- did we revisit him in some, in some way recently? In a way, we showed our friends the, um, what Theodore did was very serious clip. Oh, yes. Okay. But we didn't <laughs> revisit it on, on the show. We've just, Robert's always sort of in our lives. Well, that's that's the thing with Robert. He's he never goes away. He never goes away. It's uh, it's too true. We also tried to watch the movie, and it was really boring, disappointingly. Oh, that's what it was. We tried to watch. Oh. We tried to watch <laughs> our uh, our lamplight flickered ominously, and it was it... the only thing that flickered. Um, no, I think everything went out for a sec, actually. But I didn't lose the record because uh, you know batteries. Right. Um, anyway, that's, that's just it's just funny because Robert's like a cursed doll. And you, if you talk shit about him, uh, he fucks your shit up. Yeah. Well, now you just cursed about him. So uh... I, I said the movie was boring. So bring it on. <laughs> we also did get an emergency alert for a flash flood warning. Don't know if that's related. Anyway. <laughs> On August 20th of 2010, George Norrie tackled this hot topic. Thank God. And he had on one of the foremost experts in the world on the paranormal to help unpack this for him. Uh, That man is none other than Joshua P. Warren. Uh, No relation to Ed and Lorraine. Ah. Caroline, uh, tell the listener what you know of Joshua P. Warren. I've mentioned this show before. I'm going to mention it again. It's not like they're competition now. Um, they're on a permanent hiatus, as far as I can tell. Uh, the Unbelievable Podcast is who first introduced me to Joshua P.P. Warren, as they call him. <laughs> um, he is also the main person in their sack of shit Hall of Fame. So that should kind of tell you about the kind of paranormal researcher they feel he is. Um He's just kind of bombastic. Uh, he he thinks he's right about everything. He's got a lot of gadgets to pedal. Yeah, um, he's always peddling fake gadgets. Wish, wishing, wishing machines, machine, time yeah. machines. Things like that, yeah. Um, Bilking dumb people <laughs> out of their money is like Joshua Warren's favorite. Yeah, and I think I used the Unbelievable Podcast to show Sean Coast to Coast AM because... He hadn't really ever experienced it the way I had before. Um, and Joshua Warren's appearances were always a favorite. But I've never heard him speak on Robert the Doll. Well, get ready, Caroline, <laughs> because um, here Joshua describes his initial meeting face-to-face with Robert. 
So here I go walking through this museum. Again, it's an old fort. And when you turn the corner and a few rooms away, you lock eyes with this little doll. Now, we're talking he's about three feet tall. When you lock eyes with him in the distance, immediately you feel like you're looking at a person. No, you don't. He looks like a potato with eyes. Don't come for me, Robert. Uh, and he, he calls him him right off the bat because uh, Joshua knows you don't want to piss off Robert. And he's in a glass case, isn't he? He, he usually is. Uh, once on rare occasions, they'll take him out once in a while. And they did that for me during the course of my investigation. So that was okay. a big treat. And I'm very grateful to Claudia Pennington, the director there, and, and uh, Jack and Annalisa and some wonderful people who were very accommodating. I don't think he's bombastic. <laughs> so now you see this doll sitting there, and immediately you get the sense there is this sort of magnetism that's drawing you over to him. And it was over 90 degrees in there. It was sweltering. But when I saw him, it was like somebody poured ice water down my back. And when I finally stood there in front of this doll, it's amazing. It's like you're going there to hold court with the King of England or something. <laughs> To hold now, Karen. Well, he would also look like a potato with eyes <laughs> in Charles's case. <laughs> uh, now, you love the royals, Carrie. Uh, would, <laughs> would you be more excited to meet uh, Robert the Doll or, um, I guess, King King William, let's be honest, by the time his, his uh, I mean, probably grandma dies? probably William, maybe? You'd be more excited to meet William than Robert the well, Doll? Well, Robert, again, he, he might curse me if I think wrong about him. You're thinking wrong about him right now, so. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, Robert, Robert is the only one who is on my bucket list. I want to go to and visit that museum and stuff. Because there's a lot of weird stuff in Key West, as we've talked about. So that's definitely one of my things. So I want to meet Robert. So I guess Robert. Right. Well, you can have yourself a real Joshua P. Warren time. <sighs> You get the goosebumps, you know, the hair bristles on your neck. And I stood there and I thought, like, you know, uh, suddenly this all makes sense to me. Now I know why there's a mystique here. And I said, Robert, my name is Joshua P. Warren. I've come from a <laughs> long the way to study you. <laughs> for branding, it's important for this the doll. This isn't SAG. He knows who he is. It's important for the doll to know <laughs> the proper branding. Okay. And... Explore the mystery around you, and I want you to know that whatever I find will be shared with millions of people. So do I have your permission, please? Oh, so you told them about Coast to Coast. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's just yeah. what I need. <laughs> George Norrie already terrified. He's scared. He's genuinely, <laughs> that's not a joke. He's scared of Robert. Oh, that's just what I need. He's grumpy. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I stood there, and I looked at him, and it sounds crazy. But I got the feeling that if you can imagine this doll smiling, that's no, what it felt you. like. You know, it's like his demeanor toward me uh, felt positive, and I took that as a yes. No, Joshua, we've gone over this. You need a vocal yes. Was it the, like, blank cockeyed <laughs> stare that, that gave him the sense of a smile, or? <sighs> Joshua P. Warren's going to get me too, isn't he? By Robert the Doll. By Robert the Doll! <laughs> yeah, the trial of the century. His body was saying yes. Now, our listeners have seen pictures of Robert, but um, it's nice to get an up-close and personal description with that Joshua P. Warren flair in this eyewitness account as he gets closer to the voodoo artifact? 
question mark? Again, consider this is about a three foot tall doll. He's sitting there in a, in a little chair. Does he look old? Oh, yes. He looks very old. He's over 100 years old. What color shirt is Robert wearing? <laughs> it's a little sailor suit, Sean. You know this. He's stuffed with straw, but his face is made of felt that's kind of hardened and pockmarked by years of decay. And then the, the woman who made him, the voodoo priestess, she actually took some... Voodoo priestess. There's nothing to back that. This is the kind of stuff that Joshua P.P. P. Warren does is just kind of spout off. He's not doing research. Because uh, she was just a nanny who happened to be black, I think. Yes. Well, that's one of the stories. But the likely, the likeliest one that we talked about was that like his grandfather brought it back from Germany where the doll was made. Oh, right. Or it might have been some sort of like manic, like store puppet thing. You know, classic store puppet. Right. Well, this doesn't sound manufactured to me, Carrie. Sprigs of blonde human hair and inserted them somewhat around the back of his skull. But it's those, you know, cold black eyes that kind of bore right through you. And so to be up there close, the, the skin of the doll actually does have um, a sense of being flesh-like. I mean, he's magnificently made. Joshua's, yeah, he sounds great. <laughs> he is too messing over this doll. Joshua P. Warren is the meatloaf of the paranormal. Magnificent skin. <laughs> He's just bombastic. He probably would be on like Celebrity Paranormal Apprentice. Famously would do anything for love. But he won't do Robert. I hope. <laughs> And when I started my um, my test, one uh -oh. thing that kind of surprised me was that not only did I get these bursts of uh, up to two, three milligauss of electromagnetism around him. That I of course, you're going to get the, a couple electrogosses of... Uh, I thought what, he said mil milligauss. It's milligosses of... Because I was a milligoth, which is a, a goth around the millennium. Yes, of course. You you were raised in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and you wore a lot of black. Oh I could not explain, but again, we're in a museum, so it was hard to rule out all possible causes. But when I viewed him under a UV light, which... <laughs> well, I don't... I mean, we know, that, we know that Eugene spent a lot of time with Robert. I don't think you want to view him under a UV light. Well, Joshua asked for his consent, so this is, this is all above board. <sighs> Not you know he didn't ask to f flash a light on him like it's an episode of Room Raiders or CSI. Ugh. It's probably very seldom done. There was yes, <laughs> yeah, Josh. These sort of odd stains that would appear, and uh, I have been told that when the voodoo priestess made the doll, the hair was not the only human. Uh, part she used, that there might have been blood or something else involved to give it that sense of realism. Somewhere along the line, she must have used something from some possessed person or some tragedy. Somewhere. That's not, that's not how voodoo works. George Norrie with utter certainty. So, oh, I'm sorry, I am so bamboozled Somewhere here. along the line, she must have used something from some possessed person. No, I'm talking about Joshua Warren's assertion that blood or something else would have been used to give it 
realism. Yeah, you know. Blood or, but what does that mean? Smearing it on the, like, skin of the doll? You know, like a real, like a... Yeah, just like you do with a regular boy. Oh, no. (laughs) Just spreading that that blood. Nope, nope, nope. Joshua was so fascinated with Robert uh, that he ended up visiting the doll's ancestral home. (laughs) The place where he was supposedly given by that nanny to that little boy. Oh, I thought he went to Germany. <laughs> oh, no, the factory, yeah. No, because remember, he thinks it was of the voodoo priestess. Mm-hmm. So this is in what, England? Key West. Oh, right. <laughs> the museum and the house are both there? Yes. So this it was is the artist's house in Key West. So this is in Key West. He doesn't have to go that far. Um, Joshua went to the artist's house, Robert's ancestral home, <laughs> and uh, found himself faced with, this may surprise you, a frightening apparition. When, when you walk up there and it's pitch black and you know that this is a surreal environment, this is the notorious place, the infamous place that sort of charged Robert with energy, I turned to Ben. Famously, notoriously charged him with energy. So, I'm sorry, is the place cursed or is Robert cursed? Because if there's a voodoo curse on this object, then it doesn't matter if the place is charging him or not. Joshua. Well, you're going to see something's fishy about this place as well. And and my flashlight fell upon Robert the doll. UV uh, flashlight? What? <laughs> oh. How could it be Robert the doll? He's he's back at the museum. <laughs> Belongs in a museum. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm telling you. That's George's reaction. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Obviously. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> you i got that jolt of adrenaline that shot up my spine and it was like an instant flash of uh of just being completely panicked and startled because i did i was like what the heck am i looking at here i I was not expecting to be up there by myself thank goodness i had the camera rolling and i walked over to this thing and i'm i'm really proud of myself because i almost cursed two times but i was able to stop myself because i knew i was on camera Ugh, Josh. Um, I walked over to this doll, and apparently, I was like, okay, there's some kind of doll. You know, there's a dummy here. There's a doll of the doll. What the heck's going on? And Robert's like, yeah, I can see that. There is a dummy here. There's a a dummy. There's a doll of the doll. (laughs) I went back downstairs, and I talked to the woman who was working there, and I said, you almost gave me a heart attack. I was like, why didn't you tell me there was a doll up there? She said, what doll? I said, there's a, there's a Robert the Doll up there. And uh, so she says, oh, oh. She said, well, you must be talking about this doll that we made for one Halloween, but he's packed away. She said, you know, he's not sitting out. I said, oh, yes, he is. We've if, had- if they don't have a doll out, they're out of their minds. Yeah, of course they would have one, <laughs> like at the top of a staircase Absolutely. waiting to scare you. If you go to the Lizzie Borden house, they have the Bride of Chucky on the stairwell. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. I saw it in a Ghost Adventures. It's a kitschy B and B. They have the Bride of Chucky in a cabinet on the way up the stairwell. Oh well, in a, in a ca- I thought you like just poking her head around the corner. <laughs> yeah, and murdering guests. Wow, she's the real one. Cool. Yeah. Now, like Josh said, he had his camera rolling when he encountered this apparition, uh, but when he went to develop the film, you may be surprised to know. We've had a problem with your film. Oh. I said, okay, which role? 
She said, all three rolls. I said, what? She said, well, yes, this Yeah, your right photos here, friggin' suck. That's the problem. We, we exposed, we saw the first couple shots and we exposed the whole thing. <laughs> it's completely blank. And she stretched it out in front of me. That might be when he lost the photos. Yeah. The whole roll was absolutely transparent, not a single exposure on it, even though I'm telling you that I've used this camera for years. It's manual enough that you, you, you shoot it and then you wind it back up. You can feel the tension. Uh, the second roll... Why is he always doing that? He's always making these weird entendres. It was the, sta- the same thing with the wishing machine. Oh, where you like rub oh, the thing you and rub the stroke the stick the until it gets real sticky and like... He's always being weird like that. I don't. I truly don't think that's crossing his mind. See, the thing with Joshua P.P. Warren is that unlike a Zach Bagans, who, of course, is very bombastic himself, or really any other person who I, you know, unabashedly love in this community, he makes a lot of money just preying on people who are desperate, like with the wishing machine and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he has an, an actual claim on his site saying, oh, use this and it'll cure your cancer. But people in desperate situations may think that. And um, I just can't get behind someone who's like that. So I am perfectly happy to make fun of him. It just doesn't grant wishes. You can't sell a wish- wishing machine that doesn't grant wishes. Right. And you can't keep give people hope when they should be doing something else. Had two clear 3D pictures that came out in the middle but the rest of the role on either side was absolutely transparent and unexposed. She said she talked to the supervisor, and they were trying to figure out how I took two distinct pictures in the middle of the role, but it was unexposed the rest of the way on either side. And then she took out the third role, and it had three distinct pictures in the middle, and the rest was clear on either side. So I said, you're telling me I took 72 pictures, and five of them came out. And she said, yes and charged me $1.25 to develop three rolls of film. And that, to Joshua P. Warren, is the most amazing part of the story. <laughs> I love how he includes that fact. Like, well, they still have to do their job, Can you believe they charged Josh. me a buck twenty-five? Just because you suck at taking pictures doesn't mean they didn't have to do their job. Josh, it was $1.25. It's 2010. <laughs> yeah, why are you even developing pictures? <laughs> <laughs> no, he likes the he likes to feel the tension when he winds it up. Ugh. Uh, now, I also, as I said, uh, another popular uh, tradition with Coast to Coast AM is open lines, and George Norrie keeps that tradition going with open lines on um, many of the episodes of his show. Will either begin or end with a. Uh, isn't hour it like once a week or something that they do like full open lines? Yes, maybe? Uh, yeah. yeah, full full shows, but often. Shows are bookended, either started mm-hmm. or ended with an hour or two of open lines, if there's just not enough guests to fill the time. And, and just to give you, sorry, just to give you a a glimpse into what kind of topics and stuff, um, when I was doing uh, research for the news, because they do have paranormal news on their site, I think one of the most recent episodes they put up was Sirhan Sirhan and RFK slash, like high strangeness, like two different topics, but that's the kind of stuff that they'll mix up in there. That's a nice mashup. That's a nice couple hours of programming. Yeah, or it's like ancient aliens slash, you know, men in black or um, harp or governmental conspiracies, things like that. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Weather machines and chupacabra. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, open lines. Again, George Norrie, not as sassy as Art Bell, but the quality of the callers has not dipped whatsoever. 
And uh, so th- this is what you're getting between one and five in the morning. We go next to Halifax, Pennsylvania, east of the Rockies. Good morning, Wayne. Go ahead. Good morning. Happy birthday. Thank you, Wayne. Um, Wayne. Wayne. I... He's very familiar, but also <laughs> tired. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> um, might have a cure for cancer. Wow. Uh oh. I'm listening. Doctor, I was watching on TV uh, on um, WHIF, you know, 33. WIF? WIF 33? I want to go over this. He called up saying, I think I have the cure for cancer. Then he revealed he was talking about an interview he had seen on a local news station. WIF. WIFF, I guess. (laughs) And then he said, you know, Channel 30? Like as if it's the same on Art's dial. And Art, sorry, not Art. George. Like as if it's the same on George's dial. And George, who is not listening at all at this point. <laughs> He's just tired. Goes, it's his birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> his wife, uh, they said uh, the United States can't, can't get it because uh, the FDA won't let them uh, bring it in here. Uh-huh. And it does cure up to 100% if your cancer not too far gone. And what is it? Uh, it's it's made out of um, a mistletoe. Are you just trying to get a kiss out of George? <laughs> oh, it's made out of uh, D's. D's what? Sir? D's nuts. Oh, let's kiss under the. <laughs> uh, the berry, and uh, in Germany, yes, that's what I was and, talking uh, about. Sweeting, sweeting. Uh, they use it there. And uh, they inject you uh, um, in the chest, you know, to uh, boost up your red blood cells. And uh, he said that that cures uh, brain cancer, breast cancer, lung cancer, and on and on. Wow. Sounds ironclad (laughs) to me. A mistletoe, by the way, can uh, hurt or kill a dog that ingests it, so... I don't know if I'm going to be injecting that into my brain or whatever. Do you let the dog lick your brain? I just don't see why that would be a problem. Oh, well, I just figured there's some sort of toxicity there. Well, and you don't eat onions or chocolate? And uh, his name is, uh, you want internet. It's stanglertv.com. I'll check into that. From TV.com? The doctor's name is StanglerTV.com. I think I think he said internet. Don't visit whatever I just said. I don't want to give this guy a free plug because I assume this is a scam. Oh, boy. From the missile. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll check into that, Wayne. Thanks. You can't give credence to shit like that is the thing. Okay. Yeah, I'll check into that, Wayne. <laughs> Wayne, Thanks. Appreciate that. Let's take a few more calls and a break. For the love of God. Needs a break after that one. Um, Things did pick up for George after that on this night. This is from a show in July 2008, by the way. Um, And the main topic was on mythological places, but we're in the the late hours now. So it is early morning on the East Coast and very, very late on the West Coast. And uh, it's from California that we get this next call. Check in with uh, William in San Bernardino, California. William, thanks for holding so long. Go ahead. Oh, I know. Um, thank you, George. Uh, I appreciate it. And I'm really, really uh, 
It's an incredible show, by the way. I have a great time on Friday nights, William. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it just me or is William a little horny for George Norrie? <laughs> I think he's grabbing the mistletoe is what I think. Okay, I just have a, I just have a, like, a little short, it's not a short story, but I'm actually, uh, I grew up. He started to say it was a short story and then he immediately backpedaled. <sighs> when I met him in Colombia and it was a long time ago and I actually got a lot, a lot bully during high school. So he goes on to then jump into a tangent about how a friend of his also was bullied in high school, and then he says that that friend had an uncle die at home, and he became possessed, but it only happened when he was angry or drunk, and then he drove all his friends and family away. Yeah, so he hulked out with his uncle's ghost. Yeah, or his friend did. Uh, but So that's a side story before this guy gets before? into... Yeah, before he gets into his actual story. So I've cut it out here. So let's get back to that bullying in high school that you were talking about. During, during those high school, the high school years over there, around that time, there's a lot of witchcraft going on. Because then, Oh, now we've taken a left turn. Mm-hmm. Little town, like in middle nowhere in Colombia. And like, it was those kind of towns that everybody knows each other and everybody knows everybody's wife, you know? So... I don't know if he said everyone knows everyone's wife or everyone knows everyone's life. Life. They knew I was getting bullied a lot, which I didn't like because in those days I was like really skinny. And yeah. I, how, old, I was, how old were you then? I believe I was like between six and eight years old. Okay. It's just I had a, yeah, I had an accident. So in high school, between six and eight years old, <laughs> but he had an accident. That I hit my head, that I remember stuff, but I mixed the time. Like sometimes I, I'm remembering something that I would let's say I was like 14, but it's actually happened when I was five, you know? Yeah. Okay. Like, can we call? Even George yeah, is like, okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, not well. So, so what happened was, is that I was walking down the street and then this old lady. Okay. He's walking down the street, old lady. What do you think happens next? Uh, she takes off her top. She she straight up looked like like a witch, you know, like a typical witch with a moan nose and the weird looking face and with the cane and yeah. she's just like a cane. Yeah, classic witch with a weird looking face and a cane. <laughs> this is just an old lady. She just like called me up and I'm like, Well, let's see what I would what this lady needs. And then after that, I just woke up. Like in the, inside her, okay, I, I believe it was inside her house. This took a turn. <laughs> Is he talking about his, like, fantasies or something? This has now become an old lady witch kidnapping. <laughs> but he's telling it pretty casual. Let's see where this goes. I was tied up to the table, to a table. She tied you up to a table? Yeah. Like, I just walk up to her. I thought she was asking for a favor or something. I walk up to her, and then I blocked out. And then in the middle of something, I woke. I opened my eyes, and then I was. I was. I saw myself tied up in. You know, and there was like candles everywhere, and there was a lot of smoke because I, it was. It was yeah. to breathe. George is once again. Come on, George. Terrified. Oh my God. And how'd you then, get? Uh, how'd you get out of there, William? Did you escape? No, he's still there. And then that's, 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 I, I open my eyes. And... 
It's George. Did you escape? He said no. <laughs> exactly. And then that's the, that's the minute I, I opened my eyes and then I just blacked out again and then woke up in the middle of the street. Like it happened during the day and I woke up in, in the street at night. And there's like my mom was oh. looking for me. There was cops looking for me. And then everybody was out, you know, looking for me. I was like, I woke up in the middle of a park. We get it. People were looking for you. Oh, people love me. <laughs> I thought At he was night. bullied. <laughs> Not by his mom. Yeah, I guess. Well, let me tell you, it sounds like they were using you in some kind of satanic ritual. And listeners can go back to our series on the satanic panic for exactly what George is talking about. And then when they were done, they just threw you out there. You're lucky you're still alive. That's dangerous stuff. Dangerous indeed. <laughs> Let's go to Richmond, Virginia. Scotty, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Let's see what Scott has. Oh, George, big fan. Big fan. Oh, thanks, Scott. Uh, I'm really worried about my government. Oh, we can cut. Oh. We can cut George off there. Your government. Let's move on. <clears throat> West of the Rockies. I'm really nervous about my government. Um. Okay. So I've got some. I've got. Oh, I've got too many more clips. We need to go to a break. Oh yeah. And then we're going to uh, come back. I promise I have some more open lines, and those might even be with our old friend Art, uh, as well as some talk about everyone's favorite giant, large-footed cryptid. Yay! From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. Welcome back. We are continuing on with our tour of some of the best of, um, I don't know, at least the last 15 years of Coast to Coast AM. Uh, and we are charging right ahead into, um, I, think I, I think America's cryptid. Is a yeah. good way to good way to say it. He's a good boy. Uh, of course, we're talking about the Squatch, the Bigfoot, <laughs> uh, and on Coast to Coast AM, they are talking about the Bigfoot a lot. Because you know who loves talking about Bigfoot? George Norrie. <laughs> George Norrie, but also everyone who listens to oh, this show for sure. Yeah. Uh, and just one listen to an open line segment will probably get you some kind of a skunk ape sighting. <laughs> Uh, Bigfoot, Squatch, or otherwise. Um, but occasionally they'll have on a legit guest. And remember, everyone who is on Coast to Coast is treated as a legit uh, expert. 
I feel like this episode is going to um, disqualify me for ever being on Coast to Coast, but gosh, I wish I was an expert witness or whatever brought on to one of these episodes, literally about anything. You think George Norrie would be mad if he heard this? I I mean, I don't think he'd be happy. We love his show. (laughs) I know. I love it. But I don't know if he enjoys people loving it ironically and i don't love it ironically i just love it but i think you love it ironically i can hear your backpedaling from over there carrie i'm mr nori's biggest fan (laughs) (laughs) um so he will sometimes have a guest on to talk about um bigfoot from an expert perspective and um is this mr foot uh, no, no. Uh, this is uh, his episode with Scott Marlowe, who actually founded the first ever cryptozoology college course in the world. Uh, that's at Florida Keys Community College. Just See, a, the Florida Keys, Key West. It's a crazy place. Just a stone's throw from Robert. Mm-hmm. Robert, welcome to the show. <laughs> Robert? Uh, not Robert the doll. Uh, <laughs> was, he, was he getting called on to give his testimony? <laughs> Listen, George, I felt very uncomfortable when Joshua P. Warren was waving his quote-unquote flashlight all over me. Uh, no, uh, He called me a dirty little boy? Scott has brought along a friend named Robert Robinson. He Now, Robert is a uh, Florida cryptozoologist. Robbie Robs. And George Norrie, always very well prepared for his interviews. He's got his little question cards ready to go. And uh, he knows that this Robert Robinson has a very specific set of interests. Hey, nice to be there. Tell me a little bit about your involvement. Nice to be be there makes me laugh so much. Hey, (laughs) he's so nervous. He's a sweet man. Hey, uh, nice to be there. (laughs) But you know what wasn't nice? Joshua P. Warren. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be there. Tell me a little bit about your involvement uh, w- specifically with some of the sea monsters out there in Florida. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I haven't had too much dealings with the sea monsters. Other one, uh, was... Have you ever made love to a mermaid, Robert? <laughs> what an instant strikeout. Robert, tell me about those sea monsters down in Florida. Uh, I don't really know about any sea monsters. <laughs> what are you talking about, George? <laughs> no, I guess Robert had uh, done a TV show with this Scott guy about sea monsters. Uh, then here. you know enough. The, when I was with Scott, we were doing the, uh, the Monster Quest episode. Okay. So, so, so uh, sea monsters. Kind of a, uh, eye-opener for me. What area do you uh, find the most fascinating of crypto work? Probably the uh, butt. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> The butt? Like the Bigfoot's butt? Yeah. It's too late for Caroline, <laughs> listeners. She's getting loopy. Sorry. <laughs> All right, his favorite part. Do you uh, find the most fascinating of crypto work? Uh, the uh, Swamp Ape. I enjoy uh, doing that. And I, uh... Okay, so Scott brought on another Bigfoot guy. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be like cryptid roundtable time. I've got all my different cryptid experts. <laughs> it's just a cavalcade of Bigfoot people. Listen, Scott knows what he likes. Yeah, but George thought he was getting the sea monster guy. Nope. I originally started when I had retired and came to uh, Florida, and I hooked up a couple times with a uh, another group, which uh, I'll remain, that'll remain uh, unnamed. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Is this Bigfoot drama? Yes. Crypto <laughs> people, especially Bigfoot people. It's the same in the ufology community. Yes. They're so petty with each other. They all hate each other. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's like cliques and social, uh, uh, f- I don't know, wars between these guys. <laughs> wars. Yeah. Social like kind of uh, negging wars. Dilemmas. And I really kind of got a little disgruntled with it because I, I really thought they were in it for the money versus the research. You know, all that sweet, <laughs> sweet Bigfoot money. Yeah, clearly. Um, now, Robert goes on like that about the drama between the Bigfoot <laughs> groups for a couple of minutes before George finally jumps in. <laughs> He's to... the Ross Matthews of this episode. And George finally jumps in to try to Wrangle Scott back into this conversation somehow. <laughs> Scott, Scotty, what do we know about the swamp Scotty. apes down there? Well, we know that they've been around for a very long time. The first mention of one is actually in uh, some of the Spanish records during the colonial days. He does love foisting a nickname on someone. Oh, Scotty! Wayno. Hey, oh, thanks, Wayno. Uh, and uh, they call them the uh, sand people, as I recall. Tuscan Raiders? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they they were very much looked at as being, uh, you know, an Indian tribe, a Native American tribe. Even the the natives, uh, you know, respected them and had various names for them. Why, I remember one time when Obi-Wan Kenobi scared (laughs) several of them away by imitating the call of a crate dragon. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they've been around a while. The common... So uh, so there you go. The ancient origins. <laughs> there I go what? The ancient origins of the skunk ape. Well, they said it, they were either Native Americans or they were respected by Native Americans. Yeah, well, it they were very... around. They've been around since Native American times, I Could think. Could be Native Americans, but well, were definitely respected by Native Americans. They were seen by the Native Americans as like another tribe of people who were around. Sure. Um, so what do these guys look like? And trust me, Scott and Robert, (laughs) I could probably tell you. It's funny you mentioned Robert. We're not going to hear from him anymore because George just keeps firing these questions right at Scott. Well, you know, he had his drama correspondent. Now that's done. So um, let's ask Marlo what these swamp apes look like. And uh, you give me you tell me whether you like a Bigfoot better than this guy. The commonality is that they are primarily, although not always, bipedal, covered with about one inch thick fur, usually smell rather nasty if you happen to be downwind of them. And, uh, you know, that's uh, something that I have experienced in Texas. (laughs) Yeah, like my wife. That might have just been, uh, well, it could have been one of my exes. You know, they're all down in Texas. No. Uh, but uh, and, and they have kind of a, a primitive human look to them, and they're quite muscular. How tall? Uh, between George gets the hard-hitting questions <laughs> and tall? gets them in there fast. Between 7 and 10 feet are the usual oh reports, God. although from one... Oh, Terrified. Again, <laughs> yes, he's scared of these Bigfoots. <laughs> although from once in a while we get a report of a hunter up in the green swamp who encounters, quote, chimpanzees. Uh, running around uh, near Devil's Creek, I think, is one of the places where that's seen rather frequently. And those are about you know, four or five feet tall. Are they more animal or more human? Mm, good question, Manny, George. I think is a good name for them. Okay. okay. So 50-50. Okay. <laughs> Man-apes. Listen how unsatisfied George is with the answer to that last question. Or more human. Man-apes, I think, is a good name for them. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Okay, if uh, you say so. Okay. Um, now, as you can hear, George asks the hard-hitting questions, and he's also becoming scared of these uh, swamp apes. <laughs> so, so the the interview takes takes a turn towards well, what do we have to be worried about here? Has anybody been attacked by this creature at all, Scotty? The, the reports that were attacks are said. Scotty. I mean, you know, back in the seventies, again, a bunch of kids were you know, in the Brooksville area and. Supposedly, one walked into camp where they were having a you know a beer party, etc. Uh, a beer party, etc. Oh man, beer parties, etc. is my favorite uh, old timey shop. Uh, well, of course it is, and you remember all those beer party, etc. as you had in college. Uh, for, you know, fun right next times. to linens and things. Yes, <laughs> you'd get a keg and then some. You'd get. Yes. <laughs> Uh, big hairy thing, and you know, grabbed their camera and, and uh, you know, picked one of the guys up and threw him to the ground. But quite frankly, I think that was more a case of uh, a rather hairy uh, park ranger okay. uh, who, who busted up the party yeah, and kids yeah. looking for an excuse to cover their, you know, their rears. Is that the best excuse to cover your your butt? No. Why are you home from the sleepover early? Oh, a bigfoot attacked our beer party, etc. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, I guess we didn't hide the fact that we had the beer party. <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, most of the sightings in that regard are not not credible. Uh, and uh, and I haven't heard of anything here in Florida where a person has been injured uh, by one of these things. What about the intelligence of these creatures? They seem to be pretty smart. Uh, although I've not seen any evidence myself or had anybody report to me anything that would indicate lithic technology or anything like that. There have been reports where they've been seen rummaging through garbage uh, facilities. There were a number of sightings in the Lakeland area around the, the old dump before the new highway went in. So how smart are they? They're smart enough to rummage through trash. <laughs> yeah, he was so smart that he showed up to this uh, beer party, etc., with a Smirnoff ice and iced me. <laughs> <laughs> They're savvy. Uh, no lithic technology, but they even they get icing. I mean, come on. <laughs> You'll be happy to hear, Carrie, that uh, toward the end of the episode, we take to the phones, and listeners get their chance to ask Scott Marlowe whatever might be on their minds about the Bigfoot. Okay, let's go to the phones now. Let's go to Berlin, New Jersey, east of the Rockies. Carmen, you're on with us on Coast to Coast. Hi, Carmen. How you doing, George? Good. Carmen's very casual. He greets George like an old friend. Yeah. Okay, I had a sighting uh, back in the woods, I guess about 1982. Of? Bigfoot. Okay. What are we talking about, Art? <laughs> sea monsters. It's George. Uh, not Art, George. My question was, is it normal to see a grouping of them? Grouping? How many did you see? Uh, was there four of them? And... Almost like a family. Yeah. Well, that, I don't find it particularly surprising, but it is kind of unusual. Typically, you know, they're seen in, in singles. If you had seen a group of Bigfoots, wouldn't I you? I would not shut up about it. But also, wouldn't you remember exactly how many? Uh, 100%. Uh, there were probably about four, four, or three to five Bigfoots. <laughs> what is it, a rat king? Why can't you figure it out? But my my supposition about these animals is their family unit is somewhat similar to gorilla uh, society. So seeing four of them would not be a, an enormous surprise. Did you ever get stories, Scott, of smaller Bigfoot, the little babies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Once in a while, I get a credible one. I mean, typically, 
you know, we'll get uh, you know, we'll get a story. We'll go, when we check it out, we find out that the woman or the guy involved is well known to the local police department as being the reigning nutcase in town. But uh, you know, on the other hand, we get some very credible reports uh, from people like Carmine. Nice. I can hear him backpedaling from here. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you know, most of the people who see these things are full of shit. I mean, not this guy. This Obviously, guy's no great. one would call into your show, George. <laughs> What about the little babies? I mean, that would be me, though. Well, and uh, he brings up a few points for... Are they sweet? He brings up a few points for George. That was really the best of the calls that they got. But uh, George recalls a few uh, callers they've had over the years. I'll always remember two stories that uh, have rolled into the program. One was a lady who called and said that the small children, the Bigfoot, uh, played with her kids outside. That was bizarre. And then another one, which has more of a realistic sense, that they were throwing rocks at their houses. What do you think of both of those? I love how he only decided at the end that that was a question. He was like, oh, I'm supposed to be asking a question. Um, What do you think of that? (laughs) I I was rambling, but uh, maybe you should talk now. Well, throwing rocks or stones or, or, or you know, chunks of wood or whatever is a very common primate behavior. It's reported all the time. Right. That, that, that's not a big surprise. Okay. You know, playing with children, that really doesn't surprise me either, because many of the swamp ape stories down here that we have uh, you know, come from children who were playing out in their backyard, and they saw the thing, and it either tried to approach them or it was just observing them play. So... You know, again, that doesn't really surprise me. Of course, children are much less of a threat to a large animal. True. Sure. Sure. Of course. So, uh, of course, the Bigfoot is more uh, willing to approach. Um, That's all we have on Bigfoot. And, in fact, that's all we're going to have on George Norrie for today, Carrie, because um, this episode is starting to get a little long in the tooth. (laughs) And I wanted to make sure that we got to this because I made you a promise earlier. Ooh. From the Southeast Asian capital city of the Philippines, Manila, good morning. Good afternoon, if you're over here where I am. Good evening in other parts of the world. This is Ghost to Ghost. Yay! I'm Art Bell, filling in for George Norrie, who has the evening, the spooky evening off. Well-deserved night off. All is well. Maybe. (laughs) This is is a little sexy. You... (laughs) You have a type, and Art Bell might be kind of in your your wheelhouse. (laughs) Weirdly. I mean, not the mustache. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's uh, Ghost to Ghost. As you can hear, he's now uh, living in, um, at this point, Manila. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, Philipp- the name of one of our favorite drag queens, Manila Luzon, of course. Uh, Luzon's the island Manila is on, so there that's where George is right there, is Manila Luzon. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's where Art is right there, is Manila Luzon. <laughs> I've got a couple of really good calls from this one, and this first one is a long one. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, this caller's ex's dad, so the ex, the father of his ex girlfriend, uh, was a scary cop. And uh, that caused some issues for him when he would stay over at night. Wildcard line. Good morning. You are on the air. Oh, okay. This is me. Uh, only you know that for certain, but it sounds <laughs> okay. like you. Yes. 
<laughs> George Norrie doesn't come up come out with that line. No. <laughs> Only you know for certain, but it does sound like it's you. It's the yes. sass. It's the sass. Okay. Well, I'll try to be as fluid as you are with your story. Um, um, Art, my story goes back uh, about 20 years ago, and I was with uh, spending uh, time with my my girlfriend from college. And I uh, certainly wasn't allowed to uh, sleep in uh, the same bedroom uh, as, her, as hers because her father was very strict. And so I had to sleep on the couch in the living room. Uh, Good for her dad. <laughs> and uh, not to mention her father was an auxiliary cop and he kept a handgun in his nightstand. So uh, I was, there was always this thing. Of- oh, Art has a great time with this story. You're going to hear him laugh a lot. About if, ever, if he ever catches me in there, he's going to kill me, you know, literally. Uh-huh. So, um, long he story short. would have, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the situation this guy finds himself in. Uh, and then he goes off for a little while. I grew about, up with an Italian father. I get it. Right. I, I uh, dated you with your Italian father. I also get it. My attention was drawn to a gun hanging on the wall. Yep. That that was strategic. And to, Not for you, but for any boyfriend. And to swords. He's a strategic man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this caller, uh, you know, long story short, he rambles for a little bit, but essentially he isn't allowed to stay in his girlfriend's room, of course. So he beds down on the living room um, couch. Yes. And it's uh, late at night that the caller uh, wakes up to find someone is in the room with him. All of a sudden, I thought I saw... Uh, her mother getting up to in, in in her nightgown to go prepare him breakfast because he got up really early in the morning to go to the city for a job that he had down in the city. And uh, uh, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to see, like, make out details of, you know, of the way she looks and, you know, like of her figure. Uh, Sorry, what? This is getting species spice. Okay, so you're trying to peep on your uh, <laughs> your mother-in-law through her nightgown. <laughs> I'm a looking and I'm a liking. And and it was like transparent, so I really couldn't see her, you know, the detail. And uh, what detail, buddy? Honey, I realized that it was uh, a ghost, and I was just like staring. I was rubbing my eyes, and eyes. I was, uh, you know, put, you know, shutting my eyes and opening them and everything like this. And, and this was going on for like a couple minutes, and I, now I'm like petrified. I couldn't even move. Yeah, it's like, come on, eyes, work properly. Yeah, you tell him, Art. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, um, well, that wasn't as spicy spicy as I expected. Oh, we're not done yet. <laughs> oh, as he's he's apparently rubbing his eyes and blinking for minutes on end, uh, but then the ghost does finally turn around and see this guy. When he turned around, he saw me, he... and it was this like bearded man oh. with like a really fun funny hat, and. uh that's you. What kind of a hat do you think it was? Um, probably a bowler hat, like like your hat. Oh, so it's like the uh, very it's like the scariest ghost in uh, the haunting of Hill House. <sighs> yeah, the floating bowler hat guy. F that. He was yelling at me, but like there was no sound. And uh, you know, you're I just, saying like, you're saying that his head was actually uh, sort of ha- halfway through the solid door. Yeah. And I realized, I realized this afterwards, you know, like that's what he was doing, because I'll explain that to you in a second. Well, why not explain it to us now? <laughs> so anyway, I was, you know, I got to the point where, you know, I'm laying, I pulled the, the blankets over my head and I'm just laying there. I can't, I'm like, I can't stay here. So uh, I ran into my girlfriend's bedroom, even though I knew I can get shot going in there. 
Uh, I cut it off, but Art comments at that point that, uh, well, this tells me how scared you were, because you were choosing between getting shot to just maybe not look at this thing anymore. <laughs> um, in any case, the father did, in fact, find this guy. Uh, did, in, in fact, shoot him. No, find him in the morning when he got up for breakfast, and he wasn't where he was supposed to be. So he comes out, and uh, he's in the, he's in the you know, half... You can hear Art still laughing, by the way. He's just busting a gut over the idea that this dad was mad at this guy. So he comes out, and uh, he's, in the, he's in the, you know, having his breakfast, and all of a sudden I hear, I hear him say, uh, what is he doing in there? And I'm like, I know, yeah. And I, I said, you got to go out there and tell him what happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 please, I'll hide under the bed. You go. So, so, so now... So now he's calling me into the kitchen, to, and I'm loving it. He can't stop. Thinking to kill me, and uh, he goes, uh, he goes, John, is it true that uh, you saw a ghost? And I said, Yeah. And I was like, Well, I believe you. And I said, Then he started to explain to me that, like, for years he'd be getting dressed, looking in his mirror, and uh, he would see something like in the mirror behind him, and he would turn around That's and bad. it would disappear. And that this thing was like playing this trick on him for like years and years. Playing a trick. <sighs> would you be, that's the only way that I would be like going to see mediums and stuff. If I had something like that where I was like, I need this to like stop. Constantly? I yeah, need this to absolutely. go. I know this is real and I need it to go away. Mirrors are creepy anyway. What? Mirrors? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because if you like when you close the bathroom one, there's always going to be a monster right over your shoulder. Duh. Only one more caller in this ghost-to-ghost AM. Uh, by the way, in case this was lost on, on the listener, because I, I don't think I explicitly called it out, ghost-to-ghost is where Art would just take calls about listeners' ghost stories mm-hmm. uh, for the whole four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other call we have, I think you're I think you're going to like it, Carrie, and I included it in its entirety here. Um, but we can stop when it's just, when you can't handle it anymore. Because it's just too cute. Let's go uh, west of the Rockies, I do believe. Uh, you're on the air. Good morning. Um, hello. Hi. How's it going, Arpdal? I'm sorry, say again, hon? Um, hello. How's it going, Arpdal? It's, it's going just <laughs> fine. Um, she pronounced it really well. This might be time. me, actually. <laughs> it could be, What right? year is this from? It's, well, this is 2010. Oh, so. Okay, never mind. How's it what going, Art Bell? It's me, Caroline. <laughs> Little Caroline. Hello, how's it going, Art Bell? going just fine. Um, what is your name, uh, um, first name? My name is Lily, and I'm in Anchorage. Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And so my story is, in 2007, I was six, and I had to stay home from school. So I had to go downstairs with my grandma, which is, our houses are on top of each other, kind of like um, a condo or something. Right. And so duplex, I, yeah, little it's a du- one. It's a duplex. <laughs> I was on her back. And you're nine. Learn the word duplex. Stop. I'm kidding. And there's this hall between her office and her bedroom and I was and then at the end of the hall there's this bathroom and I see this man who's kind of transparent and I'm like what the heck who's in the house I mean wouldn't you this is adorable so I'm like I I just come up with the reason and 
I saw these really, really old-looking buckle shoes. I'm like, hey, that man's probably dead and he's a ghost. Because I'm not sure why, but I just thought about it. So well, I if he's kind of transparent, that's a big hint right there. Yep. And then the old buckle shoes yep. I was wearing. It's so cute. I love how Art can operate with her right on her. Well, if he's transparent, but then she she wants to get back to her original. Well, yeah, but the shoes. Yeah, but the buckle. There shoes. were clues, Art. Yeah, and so I run into my grandma's office where she was, and I told her, and she's like, "Oh, really?" So I'm like, "I'm gonna tell my mom," and so I did, and. Well, things are so cute. <laughs> Kids, every step of the story needs to be told. It's and like, then and then I was going to tell my mom, person, and so I did and, tell my mom. And then I told this person, and then I decided I should tell this person. So then I told them. It's just been happening ever since. Ever since? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> She's very matter-of-fact about she it. She is. Though. She's like, believe it. Yep. It's haunted. <laughs> One night, my mom and my sister kept coming into my room and I was asleep and they kept flipping on and off the lights. So once they finally left, the light flipped on unexpectedly and I thought it was my mom. So I run to her and I ask her, were you just in my bedroom? And she says, no. And who knows what did that? Boy, I, I've got to say for somebody your age, you're pretty brave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, thank you for the story, and uh, and you take care, okay? Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Now the young ones happens to the young ones. Oh. And maybe it doesn't have as much to do with bravery as it does with just acceptance. Hmm. Little wisdom from <laughs> art. You don't get the little bits of wisdom sprinkled in from George yeah. Norrie. He's really just there to learn. It's true, and be terrified. And be so scared. Um, Yeah, Lillian uh, is probably old enough to drink now, if that was 2010. So if if you're a listener, Lillian, because I was very much like you when I was younger, so you probably have a lot of the same interests, uh, you know, hit us up. Yeah, if you ever hit the lower 48, let's get a drink. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And with that, I think we'll leave Art Bell, George Norrie, and the rest, uh, (laughs) the professor, Marianne. Uh, etc for another time and we will be checking back in with them because um, well I have the the subject matter that we are interested in the subject matter of this show uh, coast to coast will just continue to be a valuable um, off kilter and often hilarious resource so there's a lot of overlap for sure our hats off to Art Bell Um, may he rest in peace and uh, our, our profound thanks to George Norrie. Uh, sir, if you're listening, please don't serve us with any kind of cease and desist. No, we really do love you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. It's time for Crying Saucers. 
The National UFO Reporting Center, or New Fork, has released a report on which states in America you would be most likely to witness a UFO. This felt especially relevant to our recent New England UFOs episode, but alas, the best areas to see flying saucers are apparently mostly on the West Coast. So they must be doing this like by population and number of sightings? It's uh, sightings reported, yeah. Leading the way by a large margin is California, with 619 reported sightings in 2020 alone. Wow. And almost 15,000 reported to New Fork for all time. This is followed by Florida, Washington, Pennsylvania, and Texas rounding out the top five. So yeah, bigger states are just going to have that naturally. Uh, Ohio, Arizona, and New York were also noted with high sighting counts. Also giant states. <laughs> and these are all these all have rural areas, too. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our home state of Connecticut came into the middling to low end with almost 2,000 all-time sightings. We are but small. But mighty. December is apparently the worst time for UFO sightings, but the best time of year is the spring. We guess that aliens love everything being in bloom. And of course, most sightings are reported to occur between 8 p.m. and 12 a.m. So, Sean, I think this is our sign to head to California around my birthday next spring and stare at the sky for four hours every night. It's not even that late. Exactly. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary, and check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash ain'titscary. Please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, we're a, a little over 30 uh, five-star reviews now. We're trying to get to 50 and, you know... Because it's our 50th episode and we're here for a year. It helps us get seen and helps us come up in search results. So if you leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot, send it over on any social media or to our email at ain'titscary at gmail.com, we'll enter you to win one of a, a little prize. Maybe like a book that we used for research or some of our merch, which is kind of coming out, but we mostly have like stickers and stuff now. Yeah, and we yeah. we will sign whoever wins. We will uh, and whatever prize uh, we'll we'll sign them uh, or we you know send them to you free in the mail. You don't have to pay shipping or anything. And if you request, we won't sign them because maybe that'll <laughs> just ruin your book. Exactly. So um, yeah, leave a five star review, Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, send it to us, and we'll have a drawing after we get to fifty. Oh, by the way, obviously those five-star reviews really, really help us they out. They really do. And if, like, even half the number of people who we think are listening uh, out there every week uh, gave us five-star reviews, I mean, we'd be um, a lot more visible on the, <laughs> the, the charts and the searches and things. So, um, yeah, take a look. And, you know, if you want to, if you have the extra money, if you want to spend a little more time with us every month... Um, Support us on Patreon. We've got uh, a lot of friends and a lot of fun over there. Uh, special thanks to our closest Patreon friends, Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared Chamberlain, Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, and Christy Atchison. See you next Thursday. 
Show created by Sean McCabe and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. This has been a production of Longboy Media. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son, who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S.